Hey, everybody. I don't know how to start it off. What are your thoughts about the intro? All right. Well, I wrote down a list of points. Boundaries for our podcast. We curse a lot. Fucking obviously. We tell stories and jokes. We are allowing ourselves a space to talk about important and challenging subjects. <laughs> if any of these things are not okay with you, please don't listen to this podcast. But I, I think we should keep talking about this for for a minute and make that the intro. Just kind of take some of each of our statements and and make that the intro. And also I'll use the fart noises. Welcome to How I Met My Brother. There was this thing there was this thing in my um uh high school um like the high school choir like that they were all practicing or not everyone but like a bunch of their like kind of uh lead singers were like practicing scatting like it was a and it was like it's not difficult to do that it was just it was always it always struck me as very weird because they'd be like oh and now it's you know this person's time turn to do a, a scat and it's like okay you just sang nonsense noises for like 30 <laughs> seconds. That's it. That's how you're beep, 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 beep. Well, what? Okay. Like, that's fine. I'm glad you're having fun, but why are you acting like this is some sort of a skill? <laughs> Maybe anyway, it's a that's... skill to be able to. Some people, I think it really freaks them out, honestly, to make funny sounds. That's a part of the, in some of the workshops I do with my friends and the pandemic players, I'm in charge of voice and mm -hmm. I get people to make like bird sounds and animal sounds and toning. And you would be surprised how freaked out people are by making gibberish sounds. And so when they get to do it, they're like, oh my gosh, I thought I had to speak all the time and be like that is that is that that it's fun this is a podcast called how i met my brother my name is leo cardoza and i'm heidi j um no i mean i get that it's fun i guess it's kind of like it's it's very similar to like improv which i also like i enjoy doing improv um oh you we got to talk about as, this as a as a practice um as an actual performance uh like as having an entire show around improv it is so rare um that yeah it it's so rare that you that that, that, that you see a performance where it's like where it's just based around improv i don't know maybe it's just around here and maybe it's just the fact that there were some um, some guys kind of running an improv group around Boise for a while, and um, they Tommy were improver. yeah, yeah, um, and and it was just it was not 
great. It was very, um, it was very crutchy. It was very, um, crutchy. you know, they, they would have like several of the guys in the group, uh, despite having been doing it for a fairly long time, many years and having, um, you know, like gone to, uh, you know, gotten, uh, extensive amounts of, of training and practice and everything, uh, would very often fall on just the lamest fucking crutches of like, uh, you know, like doing a, like there's one guy who swear to God, like 75% of any scenes you put him in, he would either do an Asian caricature or a gay voice. And it was just like, man, that's that's limited. That is a limited range of characters right there. Yeah. All right. Um, So I just finished taking a long form improv class and then mm -hmm. we had a performance at the end of it. I was the elder of the class. It was 10 of us and I was like skeptical as well. Um, but it was so badass and maybe it was because we were all new to it, but we learned all these different techniques and started off by learning how to do scenes without speaking, which was really cool. And then, and then learning about this, this yes. And idea where Mm -hmm. you start a scene and somebody you know, says yes and to you and takes it. And then you see what emerges from that. And there were a few things I noticed that were really awesome. First of all, (laughs) I know you're going to be really surprised by me saying this. It was a shame-free environment where everybody was switching roles constantly, Leo. So nobody, none of the people in this class was pigeonholed in any characters. We boys were girls, girls were boys. You know, we had moms, dads, brothers, sisters, grandpas, workers, every kind of relationship you could possibly imagine. And then going into outer space or just like mundane scenes and so much social commentary happened organically from these scenes. And like, I think, I just think we got to work through shit because we got to like be moms and dads and brothers and sisters and boys and girls and gay and straight. And you just got to do everything. And it was so fucking liberating and fun and it like brain rewiring. And it's an ex- wonderful form of entertainment. Uh, where you do, you're not consuming very much. So that's another cool thing. Like what are forms of entertainment that we can have where we're not using tons of fucking resources? And that's one of them. Uh, yeah, I think that was about it, but I was really floored. I thought, and I, and the final performance, everybody loved it. It was a huge audience. Actually, I was really surprised. And because we just went down the weirdest roads and the wackiest roads. And so you felt everybody felt like they were on mushrooms or something the whole time. But we were all sober. Uh, Yeah, that was interesting, too, is we did not perform at a bar. Hmm. Um, So it was a I was really grateful for that particular improv experience. It was really awesome to do theater 
like that. I had never done it like that. And I think it also really depends on the people. Like you, all the people involved have to be good listeners. Nobody can shame you. I don't, you know, you can't really have severe narcissistic wounding on board because everybody needs to be tapped into everybody else and not only themselves. But then you also have to be really strong in yourself at the same time. Not take things personally. Uh, oh, so good. Yeah, there. I mean, it it, it can be. Um, it can be a great. It, like it can improv performances can be entertaining. Um, like you said, there. It, it's when it you know when it goes bad. Like there's a great example of this on um, The Office. It's in like season one or two, and uh, Steve Carell's character uh, is like. He, he wants to be an improver and that's one of the like it's it's a through line through the entire series where like he kind of wants to be a comedian of some sort right and he's but he's just terrible at it um and oh. so that's this there's a it's like one or two episodes that go over him being in this improv class and uh he's just like the worst case scenario for an improv class because all he ever does is every time he gets into a scene he just plays the exact same character which is this <laughs> Uh, this uh, spy character that he's made up that he actually, he, he even like, he writes a screenplay around this spy character. It's like a James Bond type um, named Michael Scarn and his, his character's name is Michael Scott. Uh, so his, the, the, the spy that he's made up is called Michael Scarn. Um, and so every time he gets into a scene, he just like pulls his mime gun and it's like, everybody freeze, secret agent Michael Scarn. <laughs> that's just what he does with every fucking scene, which like that's an extreme example. But part of the reasons that's funny for anybody who's done like any significant amount of improv is that everybody knows that, you know, you've seen people who do fall back on certain crutches, you know, um, who just have like one or two things that they, that they keep going back to. Um, but yeah, I mean like the, the yes and stuff, um, I kind of, have you ever done comedy improv? Yeah. You have? Yeah. A bunch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I did some, some performances and a whole bunch of practice with the group that I was talking about. And then I, um, where was that group again? in Boise. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, with, um, all through, all through high school and college theater, um, improv was, I mean, shit, I think I, I think I took my first improv class when I was in junior high. Hmm. Um, yeah. And you really like, you develop a lot because one of the things that, um, one of the things it's that people good are for your brain, I think. Oh yeah, no, it's really good for your brain. My, um, my, I just really sensed that this time. Yeah, it's good for your brain on on and on so many levels. Improv is, is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and and if you go into it with, I mean, we used to do, we would, we did a um, a mixed um, sketch and improv show. Um, monthly in college um no not quite monthly because I think we only did it for maybe a year and a half but um 
Yeah, we tried to do it monthly anyway. Um, and wow. yeah, like I said, I've, I've done all kinds of different um, improv classes and whatnot. Um, hmm. There's plenty of people who have done more than I have, but I have done um, a fair number of them. Um, what do you think? And yeah, about- I mean, uh, I think they can be really helpful uh, as a as a writing and acting exercise. Um, and I really like the 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 idea of going in when you have um, you know you have a a, a group of characters with dev- defined roles and define you know everybody knows who these characters are and who they are to each other but you have but you know try and build a scene around not knowing exactly what's going to happen not having a script but that you know this is these are the kind of the beats that need to happen in this scene um and that can help with um with writing um yeah it's it's so i'm a i'm a huge believer in improv um, as a practice, as an exercise, um, mm-hmm. for actors and for comedians. Um, and for yeah, like, like, I would say like chill performances. I mean, I think the reason why our performance was so successful is that a local community center, which is also, um, a bike shop and it was, you know, people paid five bucks. It was just mellow and chill. It wasn't like a professional staged performance with lights mm-hmm. and, you know, but you're hanging out in community and you're watching your friends make fools of themselves. I don't know. I think that's worth five bucks. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I think comes up a lot is, uh, or that, that kind of can, uh, it kind of drives where some of this kind of crutchy behavior that, that I'm, I'm describing, um, comes down to when people are, way too focused on um one being the center of attention on stage yeah and two trying yeah. specifically trying to get laughs um right. like totally. the Absolutely. you know so they're jumping and that's exactly what like the the dude that i was that i was talking about who would always do like an asian accent or a gay voice like he just he did that he you know he probably got a laugh the first time he ever did it and so he just goes okay this is you know this is one of my one of my go-to things that I do now. Uh, and it, ha- and this has been years ago, hopefully for the love of God, he's not doing it, still doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I kind of like after, yeah, ap- after getting, uh, after doing a, a handful of rehearsals and performances with those guys, I kind of was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to, I'm good. Yeah. Um, I do definitely feel like this group we had, every single person had empathy and every single person could listen. Nobody wanted to be the center of attention. It was like a friggin' miracle. And so the synergy between, and it was 10 of us. I have not, I haven't experienced something like that, honestly, in a long time. I grew quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something powerful about like, you have boundaries and consent which we all discuss at the beginning and we all talk about a lot. But in the world we live in, there's not a lot of yes and happening. Um, Just where you go up to somebody and then you say something and then they take it and they run and then something new emerges, emerges from that. So I feel like it's a really cool practice because I feel like our whole like childhood and going to public school is like lots of nope, nope. 
Can't do that. Can't do that. You can't act that out. You can't be weird. You can't cry. You can't do that. Can't. No, 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 no. And so it's great to go into a space where it's like, yes, you can act like a freak and stand on your head and wiggle your feet around while singing a song. And your friend is acting like a dog on stage right next to you. It's totally cool. It's great stuff. That was one thing I did a lot of was um, animals. I, 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 apparently I have a, a gift at um, being being an animal on stage. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> so when you and I go at it for our next dueling scene, when I come to Boise this fall... You're going to go down because my black bear is going to rip you to shreds, motherfucker. Okay, but I've been practicing my praying mantis kung fu. So. Oh! Okay, so let's shift topics for a little while. Although I also have a question for you, but I have it written down and I'm going to ask it for you later. But let's talk a little bit about body practices. <laughs> okay. If you're up for it. I, I don't know what that is, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, body my... practice. Hang on. Yeah. Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess what body practice. Think body about practice. it long and hard. Body practice. Body practice. Uh, <laughs> is it? Um, Bigger than a bread box. Is it like when is it? Uh. Just when you um, just like lay flat and real still, uh, like just pretend to be a dead body. Yes, that just is like, it. Just just lay on lay it's on the a ground. New thing, yeah, it's a new thing. Everybody's doing it. It's really the cool thing to do, especially if you're in like a shopping mall. Okay, or, or like, even do, the middle of an intersection. Public. Yeah, in the middle of an intersection is nice. Okay, and if you and have you, a group you try of to people, like. Try to um, like get people to come and check on you and like see if you're okay, and that, but you still don't move, even when they come, and even if there's like cars backed up and honking because you're blocking traffic and whatnot. Like the 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 practice, the practice portion of it is like ignoring all of that and just staying like, you know, like one one, one eye partially open, you know, your mouth kind of slack maybe twisting like one leg at a weird angle. That's it. That you can take it as far as you want, Leo. Cool. 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 And the more people you have, the better. I mean, you need to get groups of people. I mean, you could keep it in the family. You and the fam could go on a evening walk after Din Din tonight and just body practice. <laughs> Dib it down. <laughs> I feel like when you get more people, though, that's going to start to kind of make it, uh, you know, that's going to be a giveaway, right? Because, like, you're going to, uh, you're going to have, you know, everybody's going to start like, cracking up laughing. This, no, I mean, even if everybody doesn't, even if everybody, like, holds their character, um, they, you just, you know, somebody's walking into a park and they just all of a sudden there's, like, 15 people all <laughs> laying there That'd playing be amazing. dead. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think people are going to fall for that. Well, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even two is pushing it. 
two people dying at the same time. But we could try it. I mean, Alex would probably buy into it. We could do, you know, try crossing the road and both you and I go down. <laughs> right. Uh, and is it like, is is acting out the death itself part of the practice? I was just thinking the exact same thing, Leo. Yeah. Like, was, do we do, uh, you know, do, uh, body stage, a, stage a duel? Stage a duel, and then we're both just lying there with with like with black powder pistols, <laughs> like musket pistols, <laughs> just like and with just like ketchup packets. Uh... <laughs> or you could walk by me, and I just stab you in the gut. <laughs> right, right. Or we could both have a heart attack at the same time. We just, I ha- like, I have a, I have a, uh, a Ziploc baggie full of, uh, of, of corn syrup with red food coloring in it. And you just yeah. stab the, stab the bag. And I just, just I think bloop that's out the one I like red the corn best, syrup best all over the, all over uh, the place. And then you fall down and then it's just body practice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I've never heard of it, but it sounds cool. So I'm in. <laughs> So audience, uh, my brother also did not know what it meant. Body scan. He'd never heard that either. Body scan, body practice. These are all very, very complex ideas that we need to really and So body, body scanning. Uh, let me see if I remember. Body scanning <laughs> is when you are, uh, when you're, when you like are up on a hill and you look down the hill uh, to see if there are any people Other bodies. Doing, if there are people doing body practice <laughs> down the hill. It's a yeah, I mean it could be like a morning practice, you know, you get up and you stretch and then you scan. You scan. You look out the window, right. you get on the roof wherever you can. Get your yeah. coffee, climb up on top of some building and you're scanning, you're scanning. Where I do, are... I mean, yeah, I, I do kind of do this like most days and so does Catherine. Like when we're, you know, we get up, we're chat, we're doing, doing coffee, we're walking around the house, we're constantly scanning. Are there any dead bodies in our house? No, good. No dead bodies in the kitchen. No dead bodies in the living room. No dead bodies in the, in the bathroom, right? <laughs> So then we get our coffee, we go outside, we start checking on the plants, doing the watering and whatnot, picking up the dog poop. But also, are there any dead bodies out in the yard? Um, and, you know, not just not just human dead bodies, animal dead bodies as well. Um, any, any alien kind of, dead bodies? Alien dead bodies. Are there any... any Those sort are the of, worst. Yeah. Any corpses in our yard. Um, and so far, they're, they're mostly, usually are not. Um, I think the, you know, a while ago we had, uh, some mice in a trap and that was pretty much it. Ooh. What'd you do with the mice? Did you, did you have a proper burial? Um, I had, I, well, the last one that I caught, I, um, I released cause I just didn't want it in the house. I mean, I don't care if they hang out outside and there's, um, I think there's, there's a fair number of them, uh, kind of out in the neighborhood. Um, so 
um, when I caught him alive, I just, yeah, I just let him go. But yeah, there was one, um, it was before we finished the she shed and everything was just storage out there. And I had found mouse droppings. So I put traps out there and then a while went by without checking the traps. Uh, so by the time I checked them, there was some very disgusting, uh, former mouse, uh, in the, in one of the traps. So that I just, um, you know, I, I let the trap be his, his tomb and, uh, and, and commended his body to the, the landfill. Uh, yeah. You didn't even compost his body. God. No, because it was in this plastic thing, and oh, like I yeah, so it's this this plastic oh, trap like that has like a little spring thing. It's yeah, like I tried to open the lid of no. the trap, and it it smelled really bad even with the lid closed, and so I was just like, nope, this is going directly into the garbage. Well, good for you for your body scan process, Leal. You mm-hmm. you you saw the body. Yep, I found the body. I put it in the garbage. <laughs> Honestly, with our with the two geriatric ass animals that I have in the house, we kind of are body scanning every morning. That's, like, that's dark. Yeah, it's a bummer, but one of these days... Uh, both gonna, of your animals are that old? Yeah, they're both old as fuck, dude. Eek. Um... I mean, we celebrated Esri's quinceanera like two years ago. Catherine bought her a dress. And <laughs> Catherine bought her a quinceanera dress. <laughs> I'm absolutely serious. Uh, <laughs> Wait, is that your cat or your dog? That's the cat. Oh my God. Do you have a photo of the cat in the quinceanera dress? I'm sure we do. Uh, Catherine has God. it at least. Um, do you still have anyway. the dress? Is that the only time the cat wore the dress? No, I think we put it on her and then sent it back, and then immediately sent it back to Amazon because it didn't fit great and she didn't tolerate very tolerate it very well anyway. So we just put it on her and took a picture and sent it back. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, <laughs> Beautiful. So. But yeah, so I mean, the cat is like seventeen, and uh, and the dog is fifteen, about. Um, wow. And uh, I think she's in decent health. He's just like extremely arthritic, um, so I'm always worried about how much time he's got. <laughs> anyway, that was a bummer. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> All right, so a body scan. A body scan is when you're, it's a it's a mindfulness practice, and it's when you're, usually you're sitting, but it can be when you're standing. I guess it could be when you're laying down, and your awareness just kind of runs through your body. It scans internally, and it is like, oh, are my shoulders tense? Is my heart racing? Am, are, are my armpits sweating? Uh, what's happening inside of my belly? Is my ass just gripped really hard right now? Are my toes crinkled? You know, that's the body scan is to track inside of your body and see what's happening. 
So you could do a body scan while you're doing body practice. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So yeah, no, you, so you describe this. I, so I just had never heard the term body scan. I like the concept of, you know, uh, of, of like mindfully directing your attention towards uh, your, your body, your breathing, stuff like that. That is all uh, obviously extremely familiar parts of mindfulness and meditation. Um, yeah, I just I had had never and I was, was not familiar with that terminology. As it turns out, the anti-racist work also is like super important for for all colors of skin, but like for white people also to start tracking like, oh, my shame is coming up right now, or this is happening in my body right now. Make it more about what's happening in the body and less about like some sort of story that we then make up about people. So that we can start to track a little bit more what's happening inside of and project less, hopefully. <laughs> the idea. And then I am curious. Okay, so body practice is just any practice that involves your body. <laughs> okay. So do you and did you find that doing kung fu and doing it regularly is helpful for your ADHD and your ability to concentrate and like in general I would love to know a little bit about also kung fu and what that practice has done for you um so I do find so it, it God, how to answer that? Um, I don't find that it has helped me to concentrate um, uh, or, you know, to have better focus in areas uh, that I already wasn't like that interested in. Because <laughs> um, that is that's one of the challenges, because part of ADHD is hyper focus, right? Um, so you will get a thing um, and uh Rubik's can, cube, like, for example. Yeah, Rubik's cube, or like drawing. Um, you know, I I, I bought a uh, I bought a digital pencil for my iPad um, so that I can draw with it, and I still you know don't have uh, a ton of um, confidence in my my drawing ability, but it's just kind of a doodling thing, and I'll sit there and just like hyper focus on that for a really long time. Um. So it doesn't, um, it doesn't help me, for example, uh, uh, to, to any greater extent than just the extent to which, uh, exercise helps like exercise helps with better sleep and better sleep helps with, you know, being, being more well-rested helps, um, with concentration in general and stuff like that. Um, uh, but I've also, I've been dealing with this absolute bullshit surrounding my medication for the last week, which is so fucking infuriating because I am so, too old. Well, so, uh, presumably somewhere back in the nineties, uh, somebody who was in charge of deciding what, uh, what drugs are appropriate to, um, to prescribe to what people for what, what, uh, illnesses and whatnot. Um, decided that ADD is something that children have only children have ADD. So, uh, 
ADD medication should only be prescribed to children. Um, obviously, we now are very fucking well aware that people who have ADD as children continue to have ADD as, as adults, right? Um, and so since I have been on medication for ADD, which has been like five or six years, every year I have to have uh, my doctor's office fill out a prior authorization and send it into the insurance company. And the, then the insurance company says, oh, okay. Um, for the last wait, week wait, wait, and wait, a half. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Am I understanding correctly in saying that that still they think that ADD is that only kids have? Well, it's not that they think that, but that is why um, there is. Yeah, so it's yeah. It it was like they they wrote these plan exclu- exclusions um, because of that idea, and obviously doctors understand perfectly well that it's that that it's not a thing that only affects children. Um, but it's insurance companies. It's one of the, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a really, really great example of how absolute bullshit insurance companies are because insurance companies are not fucking doctors. They are, and they are not patients. They have no, like th- how, how the fuck they have the right to, when a doctor has said, this is the medically necessary course of treatment for this situation, whatever that situation is, whether it's mine or with somebody else, whatever, um, the and uh and then the insurance company goes oh no i don't think so no that's not yeah we don't we don't think that's like we're yeah we disagree with you doctor um it causes all kinds of shit like there's um this is getting off on a tangent but uh there's a thing that happened basically that it, it's uh it's it's a factor in how uh completely out of whack medical costs are in general because uh doctors will say here's this procedure this is the cost for this procedure this is what it's going to take for me to do this procedure and then the insurance company will come back and say okay well we're going to pay 40 percent of that and the doctor's like i can't do it for 40 percent of that this is what it costs and so then the doctor goes okay then i'm going to tell you it costs more so that what you guys cover is enough to is you know act, actually covers what it costs um and wow. that kind of uh, like and that you know spirals and increases that's that's why that's one of the reasons you know the uh that um that some procedures uh and stuff are um are unreasonably expensive in, in this country. Um, but anyway, so I've been back and forth with all this bullshit, trying to get my, um, prescription for the medicine that I've been on for more than five fucking years. Um, and it is still not approved. It's very, very infuriating. I mean, I can go get the drugs. It's just going to cost. Does it help you? Oh yeah. Um, so they have, so I, I can get the prescription, um, my insurance just won't cover any of it. So instead of costing me $10, it'll cost me $35. Um, which like, isn't the end of the world, but it's just at, at this point, it's kind of the principle of the thing. It's like, just makes me so mad. And I've been bounced back and forth between like all these different, um, departments and whatnot between the insurance company, because it's like the, um, 
the insurance company is not in charge of um, pharmaceutical benefits. That's a different department. But then, and then the pharmaceutical department is not in charge of prior authorizations. That's a different department. Then the prior authorization department is not in charge of appeals. So the prior authorization department is in charge of saying, no, this is not authorized. But then when you have, so, but then when you go, Hey, excuse me, I would like to file an appeal so that I can get my fucking drugs. Then the prior authorization department says, oh, yeah, that's not us. You have to go back to the insurance companies. The insurance company actually handles the appeals. We just handle telling you no, and then we pass the buck on to somebody else. It's fucking infuriating. I don't know if this is very good content, but I'm a little fired up about it. Yeah. So, to yeah, to, to your um, original question, like, um, the it... it uh, the exercise portion definitely helps because I think exercise helps just in general, um, with, you know, uh, with, with sleep and everything. And, um, and the, um, I definitely find that, you know, a lot of times I will get to the end of my work day and just be like, uh, just run down. Like I can't, you know, can't stare at my screen anymore. Um, like, and I feel like if I wasn't going to class, I feel like I would go home and just stare at the TV and zone out. Uh, but going to class, um, I'm engaged. I'm paying attention. I'm enjoying myself, I'm getting exercise and, you know, learning or relearning various different materials. Um, what else about I did, Kung I did Fu a, do you like? Like what? Because Kung Fu isn't just exercise. Like, tell me about the philosophy and 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 tell me like do you like embodying some of these animal archetypes and what is that like for you and what do you like what are all the things you like about it um well there's not a whole lot of like philosophy per se there is a fair amount of history um which i generally take uh, a lot of the history stuff with kind of a, a grain of sand some of it um seems like it it's it's so old and i think i told you about this so the guy who's the grandmaster of our school um his teacher's teacher um learned everything he knew uh at the shaolin temple and then um he uh left and was um living in in indonesia and that's where the current grandmaster when he was a kid um, met up with him and started studying with him um and and that's like the, the that's the story of the of of how the the information has been passed on but of course there is still a shaolin temple um and there uh, and and they do have like um they do they do have monks who practice and stuff but there but um what material they have is, i i don't know um and there's so there's all this stuff surrounding like the banning of, of martial arts the restriction of martial arts practice in china um, i didn't know that was a thing yeah it was a, it, like during the 20th century uh, um the the communist i mean that was what the tiananmen square oh. uh, massacre was was um in large part about mm-hmm. um was and that this is why the the grandmaster's teacher was um was in was in um Indonesia, um, because was because uh, he was not able to um, to practice and to teach uh, in China. Um, so there's you know all like 
this all the these stories and stuff about like kind of the the history and um so it you know it adds depth it at depth it adds uh you know flavor it, a, it adds kind of um spice to it so it's fun and interesting um kind of lore to go along with it how you know some and some of these things you're like uh like there's a um uh uh one of the uh there's there's a story about a a student who went to one of the shaolin temples right um and he he gets there and you know he wants to start learning uh to you know to be a martial artist and instead of um you know teaching him to to punch or kick or anything like that um they give him they they take him to this this giant um like pot like a big like pot a, a, a big terracotta you know, jar kind of thing, like almost like as, as big as he is. Um, and, uh, and they tell him to start and it's full of water and they tell him to, to slap the water out of the jar. Hmm. And so he starts doing that and, uh, and he's, and, and this goes on for days, weeks, months, right? He just, every day he, they, they, they refill the water in the jar and he's just supposed to slap the water and try and get the, get the water out of the jar by slapping it. Right. Um, and eventually, and it's very, it's very much a kind of uh, karate kid, like Daniel LaRusso kind of, you know, paint the fence thing. Like he doesn't realize he's learning martial arts. Right. Um, Cause he gets so fed up and he's so frustrated because he's not learning anything. And he, and, and so one day he's like, he's so fed up and frustrated. He just takes a, big old wind up and just boom and uh, you know like set and, and like focuses all of this this foshing power that he had no idea he was developing just explodes through the water and empties it in once in a single slap um but he's still even then he's like i didn't like he's, he still doesn't think he's learned anything but so he goes home to like his family and they're all asking him, what did you, you know, what have you learned? Show, you know, show us your Kung Fu. And he, again, he gets, he's like, he's so frustrated. He's like, I haven't learned anything. And he slaps his hand down on the table. And he splits the table in half. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, so there's anyway, there's a lot of, of lore, like, you know, folklore type stories uh, that, that go with a lot of the, um, the material um and that's that, that's such just kind of Kung fun Kung. stories uh hundreds and hundreds of years old i mean uh the earliest uh supposedly supposedly the oldest um animal style within shaolin is the white crane style um wow and really? that's supposed to be i think like 1200 years old the youngest animal style is actually the mantis style which is only a couple hundred years old wow have you done the white crane there's a couple of white crane forms that we've been working on there's um there's three different uh white crane forms uh that the brown belts are reviewing right now so i've been um, reviewing those with them wow. they're pretty cool they, have, they involve some somersaulting and whatnot somersaulting yeah there's actually so there so there's three they're fairly short little little white crane forms that we do it um at brown belt and um the second one which we were just working on um this last week uh had this has this really cool move i really like where you like um 
you do this uh, sweep and jump to land on like land in a, in a one legged stance um, with like one arm high and one arm low. It's a, it's, it's just a really fun, fun move. It's uh, makes the, makes the form really, really fun. It's very acrobatic. Um, and uh, I did a, 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 a nunchucks class yesterday morning. That was fun. Do you have nunchucks? Yeah. Are they there in the office? No, I think they're in the car. Oh. Nunchucks? What exactly are nunchucks again? Nunchucks are the two sticks with a with like a chain or a rope in between them. Oh. Are you actually using that weapon on people? <laughs> well, I'm not using any of my weapons on people. Okay. <laughs> And what was it called? Body practice by Leal. <laughs> when I come visit in the fall, you cannot show me your nunchucks moves. You can you can see all of the all of the various different weapons. Um, what about what is the word for energy that they use? And what is their idea of energy and how it flows and how it relates to the body? Um, I mean, they use the the term chi, um, and there's especially at the higher levels, like the um, the advanced levels of black belt, they get way more into um, uh, like the energy lines, the pressure points, and stuff like that. Um, and um and they've i think i told you this, they've they've um developed uh since um when i was a kid going there um they basically had like one tai chi form and that was it and it was the the classical 24 posture tai chi is the most widely known tai chi form in the world um it was actually created um by i think by the chinese government um, to, and it was, it was just intended to be, uh, the kind of universal entry, you know, introductory, um, form of, of Tai Chi, uh, but it's the one that, um, if, you know, most people, if, if you're thinking of Tai Chi, you are probably thinking of that, that classical 24 posture Tai Chi. Um, and, so yeah, when I was, um, when I was a kid, they basically had just that, that one, um, form. And then there are some other forms that are like, uh, that were taught as part of the regular Kung Fu curriculum that are now taught as, um, part of the, the internals curriculum because they've separated it out. So there's a bunch more, um, Tai Chi stuff. So there's, um, there's, uh, like a, uh, straight sword tai chi and um dagger tai chi and uh um oh. what tai chi broadsword there's a bunch of tai chi weapons and then they just like when the grandmaster was here in june um wow. he taught a uh duck tai chi which i haven't even seen it i i um i've seen a couple of people like practicing it a little bit in uh in class but um i haven't seen the whole thing uh, all the way through, but seems, sounds kind of 
Sounds kind of interesting. Um, and there's a whole shitload of new like Pacwa stuff. And Pacwa is the thing that I showed you where you're like walking in a circle. Um, that's uh, there when when I was younger, there was they there was only one Pacwa form that was included in the in the curriculum for black belt. And now there's a whole bunch of different um, animal Pacwa forms and all this stuff. And it's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Why do you like it so much? Why that movement form? Because you could have been like, it's different than just jogging. Well, yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it it's a lot like uh, it's a lot like dance. That's one of the things that I really like about it, um, and always have because you know it's a it's it's a it's like memorizing a a dance routine, but the dance routine involves more punching and kicking. But you can like integrate it into that's one of the things that I've <laughs> I noticed myself doing it last night actually. Um when we were uh at home and and uh or not at home at uh at Terrace Party and we were uh listening to music and stuff. I was like just dancing and I realized I was just kind of doing some stuff that was, you know, like slight modifications of <laughs> different things from different forms. Awesome. Yeah. I wanna see that. Have you heard of okay. contact improvisation? Uh, is that when somebody else is impro- improvising and you get a contact improvisation from it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a contact high. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I haven't. Um, it's a modern dance form where uh-huh. that incorporates ideas of martial arts and and you're doing it in with partners and so usually you'll have like say you have 10 people come to a contact improv they call it a jam and um sometimes there's music and sometimes there's not music and you learn how to like lift people and you learn about sharing weight and you can like lift people up over your back and swing them around and you learn consent. Um, and it is an improv. So it's an improv form, but it has all these different techniques that have to do with like center of gravity, sharing weight, spiral. So there is a lot of martial arts kind of involved, but in, it's a little bit kind of like Aikido I've heard. Hmm. Um but it's an improv, so you're not learning steps. You know, you'll learn some things, how to roll and how to fall and all of that. But then when you're in it, it's very interesting. Um, and I, I wanted to share that I started taking yoga. That was my, well, I started with dance started with tap dance when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do martial arts, but I, I told you that the one I wanted to take, if I were to have wanted to take one, it would have been Kung Fu. And when I was a kid, that's kind of what I studied was Kung Fu. When we talked about the fact that we both did tap dancing, right? We talked about the tap dancing. Yep. And then I graduated, you know, went off to college, took my first physics course and my first modern dance course went through college and then got out of there and I got onto meth and I was a meth addict in Portland. 
and I was losing weight, uh, and I went to this dance club, and I was dancing underneath the black lights, and I looked down at my skin, and my skin was bright pink, and that was the chemicals that were coming out of my sweat glands, and I was like, oh, I think I have a problem, and that was when I started to look into yoga, because I'd heard it was, oh, you know, I'd heard all this stuff about it, but I had never taken a class at all, so I didn't start... And I and then I went to Latin America and I took some Ashtanga yoga from this hardcore Ashtanga yoga guy, which is this very intense form of yoga. And Ashtanga, you do learn a series and you repeat the series over and over and over again. And there's three different levels. There might be more than three, but. And you get really buff, and it's all about the breath, but you can also really hurt yourself. And if you want, if one person's body, like, doesn't fit into that particular sequence of form, then you're, you're screwed. Because the way traditional Ashtanga works is that if you can't do one of the postures, then you can't do the next one. Um, so there's, there was a lot of, wonderful things about learning Ashtanga yoga and then also the breath. But certainly yoga was the first thing to help start settling my nervous system in any sort of conscious way when I'd start doing something regular. And then, you know, in yoga, the word for energy is prana Mm -hmm. instead of chi. And I don't really, I don't really know that there's a great English word for, for that. Energy is just like too broad of a word. Don't you think? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of inclined to say that there's broad enough um, uh, adoption of uh, between um, like uh, between Chinese meditation Chinese martial arts and uh, just the com- the concept of of chi and the concept of of uh prana that I don't know if English really needs a word um it's kind of like how there's not a like the only word that anybody uses for the concept of terroir in wine is the word terroir um like there's not an English word for it. There's, I don't think there's an Italian or Spanish word for it. Um, if it is, if there is, I don't know them. And that just goes to, to show you how kind of how strongly associated, um, the, the French word is with the, with the broader concept. Hmm. Um, I like so that. I kind of feel like it's like, yeah, we don't really need, I think between chi and prana, we don't need another uh, word. Yeah. We, uh, Why yeah, do we, we need don't... an English word? Yeah. That's fucking genius, Leo. You're smart. I My know. brother is smart. I know. And I do, you know, I really had the experience that the Ashtanga movement form and that yoga changed my life. It Yoga explicitly is about getting to the bottom of your samskaras though which was different than kung fu and your samskaras are unconscious patterns that you carry with you 
These people were talking about this stuff and studying this stuff for thousands of years. Smarty pants is all of them. So they were checking all that out. And when I, it, it happened very slowly. I don't think this happens with everyone who does yoga, but you know, you start to stretch and breathe in your body and you're like, whoa, I'm crying. It's happening. And suddenly you start to realize that the body and the mind and the spirit and our past are all connected. But I don't know if that's the same for Kung Fu. Like if it also says like that you have a spirit. Oh, I mean, it certainly, yeah, it says that the, that you've got a, a spirit. I mean, um, it's not nearly as much about spiritualism, though. Um, so to the, the extent to which um, Kung Fu talks about chi, it is about um, finding and tapping into like your, your energy lines or finding, um, finding ways to attack people, because obviously that's, that's a huge part of it. So just, um, you know, looking at uh, the pressure points for like, where you know um where are effective ways to uh to attack or uh or defend you know if you use like this um what is it uh what du23 i think this pressure point right uh your upper lip it's a really effective place to hit somebody um yeah it's almost Um, like a funny bone on your lip yeah, I mean it's so you know it's very close to the Audience, surface. Obviously, you can touch your top lip in the little yeah. cleft. Um, just yeah, like right in that little that little spot. Um, and you know, first of all, just because of the uh, of leverage, like if you um, if you hit somebody right there, it's going to push their their neck back, um, and it also just you know it's just really going to hurt. Um, and so yeah, there's a bunch of um, a bunch of, of like side hand techniques, fingertip techniques, um, all kinds of different, uh, attacks that go to like that one or like the, um, the, uh, I forget which ones these are. Um, but like on the, on the sides of the chest, there's a couple of, there's, you know, a, a set of pressure points, um, right there that are also like, you know, really good, uh, really good targets. Um, so yeah, that's mostly what it's about is between, um, between that and Put them in the then kidneys. like the, uh, I mean the, ki- yeah, the kidneys are pressure pointed as well. Um, and uh, yeah, the other part is about this like fetching power, uh, which is learning to concentrate your, your energy. And it's, so and it's, it's a, uh, a mental and meditative practice as well as a physical conditioning practice. Uh, so there's, um, this one form that we do very, very, very often, um, especially for the, the brown belts and beginning black belts, um, and are not even just the beginning black belts, but the, um, the advanced black belts, we do this in the beginning of, of most of our black belt classes. Um, and it's, uh, it's a very short form, but in, involves like dynamic tension uh, and breathing. So you're like taking a deep breath and then breathing out really slowly as you, you know, as you move your arms and you're kind of in this, uh, this deep stance and whatnot. Um, and yeah, that's about 
uh, like I said, it's a combination of just uh, of straightforward physical conditioning as you're, you know, you're applying that dynamic tension to, um, to work your muscles, but also the, um, the meditative concentration. Cause one of the things that we, that we do while we're, uh, and it gets, gets kind of goofy because the black belts will, will try to, um, like throw each other off when we're doing it. So they, they split, we split the class in half and one class, class, one half of the class does the form and the other class basically fucks with them to try and throw them off. So they like, um, you know, punch them, kick them, shove them, uh, you know, like run, you know, smack into their arms. Like nobody's, nobody's trying to hurt anybody. Um, but you know, just kind of testing each other's, uh, like how we're moving, but then like people will also like, you know, make noises and trying to jump up and, you know, catch somebody off guard or like, you know, just wave your hands in front of their face and make faces at them and stuff just to, um, to, to try and, you know, to test their concentration. So it's kind of funny. That's very cool. Yeah. And it, it makes me think a little bit to bringing it back to that long form imp- to improv. Uh, you know, we're not concentrating our energy as much as some of these, these uh, body practices, but I do think there can be something similar there too, where the person is trying to stay within, to stay focused really within themselves and to stay presence there. That's what it is. There's a presence that all these things I think are trying to cultivate where you're here and you're here now and you're not, you're not flipped out and you're making stories up about this, that, and the other. I think all these practices really help with being present in the moment. Along with lots of other things. Can you hear the sound in the background? Yeah. What the hell is that? It's, it's a dead body that's come back to life in our bathtub. It's a zombie in the bathtub. I think it's time to end this podcast, Lil. I need to go do some serious kung fu on the zombie. I'm going to take the zombie. Fuck it I'm not afraid of the zombie. All right. Well, Heidi's going to go deal with a zombie problem in her bathroom. Thank you very much for joining us on another episode of How I Met My Brother. Join us next time, whenever that is. We love you. Take good care. Thank you for joining us. We're glad you were here. If you want to support what we're doing, you can do that at patreon.com slash H-I-M-M-B or at Heidi J L-L-C on Venmo. Thank you. We appreciate you.